Still got a strepsil. What did you do the strepsil for? They're very... Do you know what I tell you? I went to bed last night. I was very dry. Mm. Was it Was it the uh, the weather? Might be the weather. Yeah. But these are the honey and lemon ones. Right. It's like having a honey and lemon. Oh, right. Honey what? and lemon what? Strepsil. Oh, right. You said it's like having a honey and lemon. Like, well, I'm supposed to know what you're water. talking about. Honey and lemon water. <laughs> well, silly, honestly. Don't make me speak. <laughs> I'm not making you speak. Don't I'm just passing speak. the time of day. I can, only, I can only eat now. Can you only eat? What are you going to eat? I don't know. Macaroni cheese. Listening to the stuff you were talking about, are you sure you're on a cholesterol-free diet? <laughs> it doesn't sound very good. I lost a stone. Have you? Mm. Oh, those kidney stones, they're marvellous when they finally <laughs> go, aren't they? <laughs> they zap them. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. He's not supposed to speak. Supposed to save himself. Do you know, it's becoming Stapler Kingdom in here. We've got two staplers in here now. Two pe- How many people use scissors? What is this, a cr- an art and craft studio now? I turned on the television the other day, and on the uh, one of these channels, I can't remember which one it is, they're, they're, they're making Christmas cards already. And they're showing you how to make Christmas cards. And even me, I'm going, you know, much of them I love Christmas, you know, deck the halls with. I'm watching somebody making Christmas cards. I'm thinking... That's nice, isn't it? And festive. And then they put glitter on and then they make the bits of paint. And I'm thinking, who can be blooming well bothered? You just don't make a Christmas card. It's a waste of time. I just look at it and go, yeah, that's nice. Who's it from? Oh, God. She, yeah, and she used to make Christmas cards. I'm full, I think it's a sign of a misspent youth. I think it's a sign of, uh, what do you do? Oh, well, I make Christmas cards. When do you start making them? Start making them in July. And uh, who do you give them to? My close friend. They'll get one of my Christmas cards. Oh, lovely. Do you think they appreciate Actually, strangely enough, I have seen people make... And on the back, they go, handmade by. And then the, the person puts their name, handmade by Amanda, you know, in China. And that kind of... Do you know, we were overrun with lesbians this morning coming into the square. I kid you not, I walk through through the square, and as I'm walking through, there are two two girls together holding, holding hands. And I thought, well, that's fair enough, because a lot of girls do that. Like, a lot of boys do it, and they're not gay. Uh, they just kind of pretend. And they walk you through, and, and, and then I, when I, they got a bit closer, and I thought, they're definitely lesbian. And then, strangely enough, coming around the corner were another two girls with their arms around each other, very young. They stop in front of me, and they start snogging. I said to them, I said, you should be taken out and flogged. I said, it's outrageous at this time of the morning. What do you think you're doing? And then the other two stopped, and they started snogging, and I thought... I'm being filmed. There's obviously in the middle of Candid Camera. It's obviously Lesbian Square this morning, and everybody's going to start snogging at Lesbian Square, as opposed to Leicester Square. And I'm thinking, I'm overrun with it today. I'm not sure I can cope with this anymore. It's all a little bit too traumatic at quarter to four in the morning. All I was thinking of was, I had a note yesterday saying, a parcel has arrived for you, and I'm waiting for a couple of parcels. And one of them arrived, because my shaver fell apart the other day. I was having a shave, and the bit where you use for trimming your moustache, uh, not that I have a moustache, but you can do your sideburns, it fell off. And, it's, and it just disintegrated in my hand, so I've had to buy a new shaver, and that arrived yesterday. So I was quite pleased about that, and a couple of other things, uh, which sort of turned up. So I was already pleased about it. But then, it's all packaging in these boxes now. It's all, so yeah, I end up throwing all the boxes away, just taking the shaver home. There's no point in me taking it home. The patio's coming on a treat... Oh, I tell you, they, 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 they start at about 7.20, they're finished by 11.30, and so they've done half of it, then they did the other half yesterday, and what they've done is they've ripped all the stones up, they've uh, cleaned it all, and then they've relayed this stuff with the tarmac over the top of it, and they've painted around the edges of the, uh, the patio. It looks really good, really good. Then they did the other one yesterday, and then for some reason they sprinkle sand on the top. I don't quite get why they've done that. Lynn phoned me and said... 
Why do they sprinkle sand on it? Oh, I don't know. Don't ask me questions. I've got no idea. I don't do tarmacadam. You know, if I did it, perhaps I'd understand. Perhaps there must be some reason. Perhaps it helps it set or something. And uh, so luckily it didn't rain yesterday, so that's great news. Up in Liverpool and Manchester, deluge with the blooming stuff. They've got flash floods, roads which are underwater, people boating down the middle of their road, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, it's down here. Because you watch, the Thames will rise. You can always see it in, in Twickenham, because one minute, you know, it's flowing along quite happily. The next minute, we're knee-deep in the blooming stuff. Absolutely up to our gunnels in water, which is not very good at the moment, because over at the Barmy Arms, they're being outfitted. Well, if there's one, there must be 15 white vans outside there, because they've got a week to do it. And it's like, it's like you know, they do the 60-minute makeover on the television. And they, uh, you know, pra- I practised doing that at home last night. And I like doing that. And, and they do the 60-minute makeover, and I'm thinking, this is really, really good. Uh, but it, but it, it was a bit like changing rooms. Changing rooms look great on the television. When you saw it close up, it looked a bit cheap and horrible. In fact, it was actually stapled together. It looked a bit, bit, bit rubbish, actually. <laughs> That's why I never liked the programme. I quite liked the concept of it, but it was a bit... Not very good at all. And, uh, and then couples complain, oh, don't like him. Well, don't go to a TV programme then. Stop whinging about the blooming thing. And so I watched 60 Minute Makeover, and that's quite nice. The best one was Carol Smiley's, where companies came in, and for all their free advert, sorry, for all their plugs, sorry, for all their, uh, yeah, for all their free, free plugs and advertising, they would put in fantastic, so you'd have a council house that was falling apart, but your bathrooms were 30 grand. And Carol would say, we've decided to do this because apparently... Everyone in your road says you're really nice and they're frightened of you. And so they've, uh, they've put in a bathroom, because they reckon if we put it in somebody else, you'd come around and nick it. And so they, they, they put a bathroom, you'll fill in that, a new conservatory, and it came with furniture, and it, and, and it would be thousands of pounds. And then at the end of the programme, you'd see the list of all the people who'd contributed and given so generously of their uh, free advertising, sorry, their, uh, their time and their pro- free advertising uh, products. So that's how you got them. But it, it did look good, actually. And I thought her, hers was much, was much better the 60-minute makeover, which, which looks a little bit, little bit trite, I'm afraid, now. But uh, it, it was like Charlie Dimmock, you know, every time she went into a garden, it had a water feature. You know, here's, here's, here's another water feature. Oh, whoopee-doo, here's another water feature. Do you know, she was one of my most boring interviews, Charlie Dimmock. Out of all the people I interviewed, and the, and the person I wanted to interview the most, and she'd done a book on window boxes, and you know me, and my, my hanging basket, I love stuff like that. Well, she couldn't have been more dismissive. I remember saying once to another famous celebrity on Channel 5, and I said, they, and Nick, Nick Knowles said, Steve's got really lovely window boxes. And, and I said, would you like to see pictures of them? And this very famous celebrity said, no, I wouldn't. I went, oh, right, OK. I was a bit, a bit miffed, actually. But Charlie Dimmock couldn't have been less interested. Perhaps she was tired. Put it down to the fact she was tired. But uh, all very tedious and all very wonderful. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.go.uk. You talk about dogs' names, says Darren. My new Springer Spaniel pup is called Colin. You are joking, aren't you? You can't call a Springer Spaniel pup Colin. Not Colin. Colin the dog. Sounds like something out of Toy Story. He's got a spring in the middle of him. No, not Colin the dog. Please, not Colin the dog. Oh, Mark the bailiff's up early this morning. God, it must be a week and a half for you, mustn't it? I tell you, a week and a half. I'm go- I tell you, I'm going on Friday. Going round to uh, Anthony's house. He's invited me round to his house. And uh, I've said to him, I said, what's your postcode? I'm not agreeing to go round unless I know the postcode, because it's written in the contract. I'm not going to a postcode that's below my postcode. 
Anyway, apparently it's okay. Oh, look, there's that spring. Oh, look at that. That's nice. Is that a vest you're wearing? <laughs> oh, look, the producer likes that. I'm looking at the nails, thinking, nice nails. <laughs> it's a dog. They all look like that when you hold him in their arms. They all look like that. Goodness sake, honestly. So Colin is a big fan in deepest Leicestershire. <laughs> Colin can come and see us if he likes. In fact, just just pop him in a jiffy bag, send him down. We'd be more than happy to look after Colin. A uh, few things. What oh, did I watch on the television yesterday? There was something I watched on... Oh, yeah. They've had the clear-out at GMTV, part clear-out. And it looks like we're losing Carla Romano. But let's face it, she was lampooned by every TV critic as being the worst person to send over to America. She didn't know anybody. She didn't know anybody at all. And they've got rid of Richard Arnold. Not exactly every critic's favourite presenter either, I'm afraid. Because he did a show with Melinda Messenger. Hard to tell who was camper, either him or her. It was just ghastly. And so he's gone from GMT. He said he's looking forward to other things. I know, shelf stacking's great. I mean, you won't have any trouble doing it. As long as you can reach up to the big ones, you're okay to do the tins. And uh, Steve Hargrave is going to be entertainment correspondent. And um, it's already been announced... They've announced it. Look at the next one. It's been announced. Steve Hargrave. No, Steve Hargrave's going to be entertainment correspondent down at Daybreak. Now, whether or not that affects us, I don't know. Whether or not he'll be able to do stuff for us. Because presumably, he's, yeah, he'll be at work a lot of the time. So we might have to sort of fit something in or perhaps, perhaps, yeah, we might either do him at, blimey, either early or get him in to do the papers or something on a Sunday or... Things like, we'll see how it goes, actually. We'll see what happens. I'll tell you what I think's very, very odd. And I've seen him twice on the television now. And his name's Brian Fortuna. You know, Brian used to be on Strictly Come Dancing. And uh, he, he sort of looks the part. He's, he's American. He's going out with a girl he danced with, whose name I can't remember. I think it's Ali Bastian. And uh, apparently the chemical reaction was that they got together and they're very much in love, which is great. But he always looks like he needs a shave. He's one of these people who appears to be able to grow a moustache in the space of ten minutes. Because he sits there and he's, he's got a babyish type face. But yet he's got this sort of growth coming through. And in every picture you look at of poor old Brian Fortuna, he's got this growth. You feel like saying, go and have a shave. Go and have a shave. He's good news, isn't it, about kiwi fruit. They're going to grow them now here. We're going to grow kiwi fruit in Kent. In the Garden of England, which is lovely. And they reckon they could be on the shelves by 2012. So instead of having to transport these things thousands and thousands of miles, uh, they're going to be here, which is lovely. I quite like kiwi fruit, a little bit disappointing. You know, not as exciting as sort of apples and pears and stuff like that. But kiwi fruit grown in Kent. How lovely. Isn't that lovely? And, uh, thank you. You're wearing that, are you? Uh, any, nothing. I'm just saying a lovely look today. There's a, a man here not used to compliments. Let's not make another one, shall we, till about the year 2011. There's a man here, I mean, call me daft or not, he's out walking with his family, Matthew Popov, and he's out walking, and he sees a snake, and so he picks it up, and it bites him, and it's an adder, and, and, and adders are not, not very nice. And the advice is, and I don't want to have to tell you, the, the venom took 30 minutes to, uh, to go through his body, and it's nearly paralysed him. I mean, he will come through the other side, but my advice is this morning that if you see a black snake, or anything that is a snake, wiggle it, don't touch it. Don't, because it will retaliate. It will, oh, I saw a horrible programme on the telly, I'll tell you about it in a moment. Quarter past five. 
These are the headlines. The US president's now involved in the case of the British computer hacker, wanted by America after he admitted hacking into NASA's computers for evidence of UFOs. A mother from East London who gave her brain-damaged son a lethal heroin injection will appeal against her murder conviction later. And more than a quarter of teachers questioned by Uswitch website believe their school buildings aren't suitable for learning. Is it Us? Yes, Uswitch. Never even heard of that. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Get you there nice and quick. Jay Louise. Good morning. Thank you very much. Northbound M1. We've got... Interesting on the subject of, uh, of Obama. During this uh, lunch break he had with uh, Mr Cameron the other day, Cameron raised the case of the Londoner accused of breaking into the Pentagon's computer system. And uh, then afterwards, the president says that the US took the issue of computer crime very seriously because you know that they're calling for the extradition of, uh, of this man who has Asperger's. But then he said, one of the traditions we have is that the president does not get involved in decisions about prosecutions and extraditions. So, in other words, it's other people who deal with things like that, but he acknowledges the fact that it's very serious. To be honest with you, I've also thought it was a bit nerdy, people. It's a bit war games. And whilst I loved the film War Games, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic, uh, I can't help feeling that the people who sit there in front of computers, you know, typing in all these things are going, we're in. Do you want to play a game, Professor? You know, all that kind of stuff. I think it's quite exciting, but it doesn't appeal to me in the slightest apart from that. What sort of person has tattoos on their face? This is uh, Mark Osler. This is another lunatic who went out there, blasted his girlfriend, then stuck his gun in his mouth and blew his brains out. And I'm looking at a picture of him here at a wedding, and he's got tattoos on his face. I mean, is, is there something the matter with these people? He's got a spider, sun, moon and star etched into his face. What sort of person has that, apart from... Odd, peculiar people. Very, very worrying. Here's Claire Nadir. The forecast is lighter and brighter. Well, hopefully it will be. She's out with a private trainer or personal trainer. And these are people you have if you really haven't got the strength or the energy to do something yourself. What you do is you bring in the personal trainer. They go, come on, come on. You go, I really can Come on. They've done it to me before. Come on. I go, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm trying to put my socks on. You know, they go, come on, sit, come on, sit. One, two, three, I'm going, just don't. And, and they actually push you further. So you go in the gym thinking, I could just eat a hot dog and then some ice cream would be quite nice. And they go, right, 50 ice cream, hot, exactly, the hot dog stuck in the ice cream. Woo, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and then they say, right, 15 circuits. And she so go, oh, God. They go, come on, we've got to warm you up. I said, well, can't we just sit in front of the fire? Make it a lot easier. So you go running around and they push you. I have a sneaking feeling, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm putting 30p on the fact that Claire Nadir, Claire, Claire, Claire Nadir is going to bring out a DVD, a fitness DVD. What's the betting? For Christmas, there'll be one out. Because wait a minute, this will be right. July, August, September, October. It's absolutely the right time. This will be out. I tell you, this will be the picture. And they'll, they'll show her in the park looking like this because she just had a baby. Uh, eight months ago, and uh, the weight hasn't gone. So what they've said now is, how would you like to make £150,000? And she's gone, really? They've gone, yeah, it's really easy. Listen, we get a picture of you in the park with your trainer looking fat and bloated, and then three months later, we'll have you looking trim and fantastic. And she'll go, OK, I'll do that. And so that's why she's out in the park. You don't think photographers just wander around parks with cameras, you know, in the off chance that there's going to be a celebrity. No. It'll be somebody called out and they'll go, OK, she's going to be in the park with her trainer today. OK, fine. And that's what they've taken a picture of. Because you'll look at this picture and then you'll... It's the same as Natalie Cassidy. We have pictures of Natalie Cassidy in the park with her trainer. I mean, you can't move around my way. There's a queue of celebrities trying to get into the park. There's people with dogs going, can we get... No, there's celebrities in there. What are they doing? Well, they're having before pictures taken, aren't they? And that's what happens. 
Kate Garraway pushed aside to make way for Christine Bleakley. However, Kate is going to be the, um, I think she's going to be the entertainment editor. So that's good. Entertainment, yes. Despite her demotion last night, she put a positive spin on it. She said, it's a fantastic opportunity to spread my wings in an exciting new role. Show business is big business and Daybreak will be the place for all the big interviews. No, 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 no. LBC is the place for all the big interviews and everything else. We'll be making sure Daybreak is the place for all the major interviews and stories. As opposed to, we're going to make sure you're going to get the same poor interviews that everybody else has had before us. Because that's how it works. It's just a stupid thing to say. But uh, she's in, whereas Carla Romano and uh, Richard uh, Watsit are out. But then I I thought they would be, actually. Richard Gainsford is chief correspondent. Dr Hillary's health editor. Dr Hillary, as you know, was a a regular on the Steve Allen show. And we used to do our medical hour for many a year, actually. John Stapleton is going to be special correspondent. Irish presenter Gronia somebody. Uh, has been brought in as Features Editor. And uh, and Steve Hargrave, going to be showbiz correspondent. Woo-woo-woo-woo-woo. I feel as though we've nurtured Steve Hargrave over the years. I've known him since he was... Well, since he was. And uh, he'll be popping up on the television. How how he's going to fit in with us, I've got no idea. The feud between Kerry Katona and Jordan's getting pout of order. Pout of order. Oh, Sometimes I amuse myself. Anyway, uh, yesterday in a pop at her ex-mate's lips, Kerry said she resembled a good-looking version of Pete Burns. Oh, and then said, I'm Team Pete all the way. Of course you are, dear. You've got the same agent. Don't be so stupid. What do you think? We are thick or something? Listen, we know what you are, love. We know that Pete... Oh, God, Pete's in a dreadful state at the moment. Um, in the Daily Star today, Peter Andre is going to wipe out all of his painful memories of ex-wife Katie Price by turning for help to a mind control expert. Christ's sake, Pete, get a grip on yourself, love. You see, I mean, that's not very nice. That's like the the hypnotist saying to Pete, make your mind blank. Oh, that was quick. You know, you don't don't come up with stuff like that. The hypnotist spell will make him forget everything about his troubled marriage. Got to be a bit careful on this one, because he might actually forget he's got children. That could be the danger. If somebody says, "Okay, you will now forget everything about your marriage, and then the children turn and go, who are you? And they go, well, your children. Oh, I don't remember. Where did they come from? Pete, you're 37, mate. Grow up a bit, please. I'm a little bit worried that uh, they're now portraying you as a little bit simple. Uh, Amir Khan has admitted he's still a virgin. Nothing about with that at all. The light welterweight champion could have had the pick of his adoring female fans. But uh, he's told a boxer he's only 23. Has he been boxing since he was seven or something? Seems to have been around for it. He's only 23. Good Lord. Anyway, he, uh, he told a boxing magazine he was single and had never had uh, sex. Asked for his favourite sex position in a boxing magazine. What sort of tacky magazine is that? He said, um, I'm still a virgin. Quizzed if he had a girlfriend. He said, no, I'm proper single. That's apparently the new expression for it. No, I'm proper single. He says, if I did, she'd be a size eight with a good personality. Oh, that's it then, isn't it? Good personality in a size eight. Small wonder he's blooming well single, actually. But uh, he said, I'm, I'm single. Best way to be, in my case, very special girl comes into my life. He quite likes Kim uh, Kardashian, who's 29. I think, actually, she has people like you for breakfast, love. You're only 23. I mean, it might all be over a little bit too fast. For... I don't know who she is. We don't know who she is. She's... Yeah, she, she's very famous. She's, um, um, she... well, anyway, I don't know. I don't know. She's Kim Kardashian. She's curvy US telly babe. So she could be anybody. Could be anybody. Oh, here they are. Take that. Looking very gay. Looking very, very gay. Because they're filming their new video and they're rowing in it. And here's uh, Robbie looking slightly tubby. And, uh, and, uh, 
and, and looking slightly un- unfit, and, and with a fag in his mouth. Everybody else really healthy, except Robbie, puffing away like a good un. And they're hoping, and we all hope this, God knows we all hope, ladies and gentlemen, that Robbie gets over his fear of going on stage, because you know that he has a fear of going on stage. So we're, we're behind you all the way, Rob. We're really, you know, we're, we're rooting for you. Robster, really there, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's very good. Uh, does the, uh, the veil empower women? No, it doesn't, says Yasmin Alibi-Brown, who hates it. And to be quite honest, it looks ludicrous. You don't need to wear it. Even as a fashion item, it's not attractive. You know, if you really want to look silly, why don't you just stick your head in a dustbin? It, you know, it, if, it, it's just ludicrous. You know, do you not like being looked at by men? Because to be quite honest, if somebody in a veil looks at me, I'm not liking it. I'm getting a bit frightened. I don't want to be looked at like that because they're probably undressing me. You know, people do. They see me and they go, like that. Actually, some people go, but it doesn't matter. Those people we don't uh, don't care about. So, empowering women, you must be mad, minister, says Yasmin Alibi-Brown, who's a regular on LBC, which is good news. Here's this, uh, you can't believe this. You'll have to ask Nick Ferrari about this. Nick Ferrari will tell you about this. Fury has erupted last night over plans for a book, movie and game about Raoul Moat. Can you believe that a company has bid for the rights to his name? You know the company is, don't you? I'll tell you now, it's John Blake. Ask Nick Ferrari to tell you about John Blake. You asked Nick Ferrari to tell you about John Blake. John Blake used to be a writer in Fleet Street. And um, he, uh, he went to America. He became... He, was, uh, he, he set up John Blake Publishing. And they used to bring out uh, what can only be described as books that when you read them, you thought, I'm not doing that as an interview. That was absolute rubbish. It was that he brought out a whole spate of books about the SAS... And people claiming to have murdered loads of people in Ireland. And in the end, you'd look at them and go, that just doesn't even sound... But how is this possible that somebody went out during the daytime and murdered... It, it turned out to be a load of old rubbish. The books were poo-pooed everywhere. But they got a reputation, John Blake, of, of signing up stupid things. Things that you would go, are you mad? And they've said here, uh, if we didn't do this book, somebody else would. So they've bought up the right. And I quite understand that, but do you not think that for a, a perverted murderer and, and the family to make money out of it, is that not wrong? Is that not wrong in this day and age? The answer is, of course somebody else will do it, but then leave that to them. Let the blood of the victims be on them. Don't let it be on you. You know, the very idea that people make money out of somebody else's... Cr- I mean, I've said before, if I sort of brought in, you know, my, my pea shooter one morning and went... <laughs> with a little dart in it, and managed to get her, a bit of luck, you know, and all of a sudden she oh, Steve, but I really like working with it, you know, and I go, oh, too late now. Anyway, that kind of thing. I could then sell my story and go, I don't like Wednesdays. You know, they'd be going, oh, right, because he seems so normal up until then. Well, as normal as you can be. Yeah, I wouldn't say normal, but I mean as normal as you can be. Here she is actually talking of normal as you're not, Lindsay Lohan, who does a glamour shop before she goes to prison. Stupid woman. Stupid woman. And they say, it's a far cry from the bloated and puffy-eyed girl who left court last night to be in a 90-day jail sentence for violating probation in a drink-drive case. I'm sorry, love, I couldn't give a stuff about you. I couldn't give a stuff about your dreary family. Oh, Lindsay, we love you. (laughs) There they were, crying on television, as she's led away. I'm afraid I'm with Sharon Osbourne. She's going to come out... And, uh, and they'll give her a reality show. She'll be endorsing products left, right and centre. Because in America, crime pays. Over here, crime pays. You know, go out there, murder people, and your family then go, OK, we're going to sell the rights to... Uh, the... You go, you're not serious, are you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. People sell anything. It actually makes the, the, the girls who sleep with footballers, apart from being cheap, tacky old slappers, it actually makes them look quite intelligent in this day and age. At least they've not actually killed anybody. But nowadays, you do worry. I'm still working out how we can exorcise Jordan from all of our memories. London's biggest conversation. LBC. <laughs> oh, dear, honestly. Summer cold, dreadful at this time of year. So, Pete, uh, Peter Andre... Uh, decided that he was going to get a hypnotist in after they had five hypnotists on this wacky new game show with Bradley Walsh. It's dire. It is dire. I can't tell you. And he said, is it possible to get a hypnotist to erase your mind, uh, you know, about past relationships? And obviously, I mean, but, I mean, why don't you just get over it? Because, frankly, the, the whole world is bored witless with your droning on like a five-year-old about, I used to go out with Katie and this and that. Nobody cares anymore, love. They really don't care. I mean, I'm more worried about Yvonne Simon. Yvonne Simon is allergic to metal in coins. She can't handle coins. So everything's got to be plastic. You know, which is actually great, because it just means you don't have to, uh, to worry about it too much. But, I mean, plastic. Poor soul. So every time somebody gives her a coin, she goes, no, 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 no. She can't touch it because she gets a rash. It's a bit like going anywhere near Katie uh, Price, who's pictured in the uh, in the Daily Star today. You think the, the the Daily Star would like her? So they've got an early picture of Katie Star of Katie Price, and then now what she looks like now, which is like a a, a sort of female version of Alex Reed, and it's a Pete Burns look like. But they've got her with people and saying, "Why don't these people like her anymore?" And it's people like Kerry Katona and uh, Nicola McLean. I mean, Nicola McLean's a bit of a drip anyway at the first uh, opportunity. Sarah Harding, bit naff. Jenny Savage is a Daily Star photographer, and uh, she says, there's a part of me that feels sorry for her. She should get a life and shut up. Jordan and Jodie Marsh. I mean, look what she used to... I mean, she used to look actually quite pretty. She was very pretty. She was pretty. quite... Look at the state of it now. You know, even when she was then, and I knew her then, I knew when she looked like that, and now it looks like... It's just yeah. shame, isn't it, really? Poor old soul, honestly. Anyway, if Alex Reed is the best you can get, love, better cling on to him, because it's pretty lonely out there. And then they've got a picture of her with Michelle Clack. See, I don't know who Michelle Clack is either, but apparently she's another glamour model. Glamour model, got a boyfriend, you know, my boyfriend. And I love footballers. I like going out with footballers. And uh, Jodie Marsh. Don't even know where she is now, Jodie Marsh. She's stacking shelves somewhere. I've got no idea. Just disappeared. Oh, right, she was on Big Brother's Big Mac. Good God, honestly. How does she make a living? I mean, you know, you have to ask yourself that uh, question. Here's this poor bloke in the paper today who picked up an adder. And, of course, the adder, being an adder, goes, what the dickens are you doing? And bites him. You know, it's that's how they retaliate. It's like picking up a dog you don't know, and the dog bites you. You go, why'd you bite me? And the dog goes, because I don't know who you are. I thought you were trying to attack me. So this silly man picks up an adder. Lindsay Lohan, she's going to be in all the papers now. She's going to be in all the papers, I promise you. Oh, the Moat family uh, have asked for uh, a second post-mortem to be carried out on his body. I don't know why. Once you've had the first post-mortem, what's the second one going to solve? I want to know when he's going to be dead and buried, finally. I'm assuming he won't be buried. He'll be cremated. Uh, Brother Angus says, we're not antagonistic to the police. We just want to establish what happened. He shot himself, dear. I saw it. You saw it. I mean, what, what was it you didn't understand about that? The man was quite clearly deranged. Ridiculous. Um, more here about uh, Jennifer Aniston. I don't know if I'm a fan of Jennifer Aniston's or not, actually. She flew into London yesterday and shopped to Harrods, not to shop, but to promote, uh, a new perfume. Oh, that's right. I love the way all they do, they, 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 they put their name on a perfume and they get paid for it. They don't have anything to do with it. They just go, oh, that's nice. That's nice. I don't get celebrity perfumes either. I just, it just, well, because it makes money. It's a way of making money for people. 
Cliff Richard's got his own celebrity perfume. Cliff Richard is called Miss Unites. In fact, I think he's got three. It's as, it's as good as the wine, I'm led to believe. But if you're a fan of Cliff Richard, you're going to go, I want some Miss Unites perfume, aren't you? Because you're a fan. It's like, you know, if there were, if there were Steve Allen perfume, it would probably sell, you know. Mind you, there is a Steve Allen perfume. We call it Toilet Duck. <laughs> uh, Steve, the sand is probably to stop the tarmac becoming sticky underfoot in the hot weather, says Stephen Harlington. <laughs> now we know. Dear New Malden says, my King Charles is called Mavis. Oh, dear, I'm not sure that's a good name. I'm sorry, Mavis. I don't know. And Maggie says, kiwi fruit supposed to pack the most vitamins than anything else. Uh, Kim Kardashian is an it girl, like Paris Hilton. Just like Paris, she had a sex tape leaked on the internet to further her career, says River. Oh, right, oh, she's one of those. Actually, I was thinking of doing a sex tape, but frankly, it would be so boring, you'd all go out shopping. It would be so dull, the Steve Allen sex tape, on YouTube near you. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> it would be very dull. Very, very dull. In Kingston yesterday, in Union Street, an advert in the window of a clothes shop, Katie Price signing cards on July the 24th, says D in New Malden, will you go? She'll probably do quite well. It's full of, it's full of drunk students, I'm afraid, Kingston. Uh, who's there? Katie Price. Oh, Katie, love you. I wonder who'll turn up. There'll be that um, deranged husband of hers and a few other naff hanger honours. Oh, God. Let's boo. Let's go down and boo. Boo! Boo! Boo you! Oh, I feel ever so sorry here. There's a story. Sometimes, you know, you get a story and you think, aren't councils heartless? Here is a lovely picture of two ladies, Emma Brown and Mina Lawson. Mina Lawson and Emma have spent the last 40 years together as care home neighbours. Because they live in the same care home and they're both single now because their their partner's passed away. Uh, Emma is 105. Mina is 104. Bear this in mind. From tomorrow, they're going to be separated by the council because they're closing the care home down. And the council couldn't give a forex for them, so they're separating them. They've only ever known each other for 40 years. You know, for a long time. They've, they've been together. 1970, they moved into the care home, and the council are closing it, and so they're splitting them up. 105 and 104. Now, I don't want to have to point out the patently obvious, but for a bereavement, and this will be like a bereavement to them, because they sit and chat, you know, as much as you can at 104 and 105, and the shock could kill them, because they've, that's, that's their friendship, each other. And the council uh, have, uh, have said here... That, uh, I mean, a decent council, have, have said the children, would look after them. They're 105 and 104, for Christ's sake. But anyway, all they are now, they're figures on a balance sheet. Where can, in fact, actually, the council would be delighted, you know, if they weren't here, because they're going to cause them problems. Because the, the, the pressure on the council now... I mean, the, the council has voted to shut Glendale House and at six other care homes at a meeting. Officials say they have close... Uh, they have to close as more elderly people receive care in their own privately owned homes. Isn't that awful? I mean, they've had hard lives. They don't deserve that as they near the end. Let's face it. You know, they're not exactly going to go for another 50 years, are they? You know, even if they go for another five years. Because there was that lady in the paper the other day. We've got a load of people living a long time. 112, just for her 112th birthday, she died. But uh, she died peacefully and asleep. But these two, I mean, what heartless bloody council would split up two elderly people after 40 years together? They just don't care. They just absolutely don't bloody well care. And it breaks your heart. You'll see the picture of the paper today. Apparently, families have staged protest marches and they've got an 8,000 signature petition. Council, why don't you off? 
They couldn't care less, could they? Couldn't care less. Isn't it dreadful? Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. That's what we pay taxes for on the council. I love this story here. During the war, the Second World War, there was coal rationing. And a lot of you will remember that you couldn't get coal. And so there was a, a nice bloke called Bramwell Pashley. Such a good name, isn't it? Bramwell Pashley was very, very in- inventive, and he was very industrious. So when he heard about this, he looked around to buy a house, but he checked on all the geological reports as to see if there was a coal seam near it. And he bought a house over a coal seam. And he dug down, and in his back garden, he started bringing out tonnes of coal every day. In the end, he employed seven people to get the coal out, so everybody benefited. My Aunt Enid had a similar one looking for Hovis bread. And, uh, sadly, there's nothing down there at all. But if she'd have had the coal... Because coal, people get coal. You remember in the railway children, when they go down to Mr Perks, and they're looking for a, a present for him, and they give him some coal. Because coal, people... You've got coal? Blimey, thanks a lot. Everybody had coal holes. Go along through one of the squares, at Bedford Square, and you look at these lovely old houses, and in the pavement... There's a round disc, and that's the coal hole. The, the coalmen would pull up, they'd lift up this, this lid, and they're in front of about 20 houses, and they would pour the coal down there. And that would go directly into your cellar, and then you would go into the cellar and you'd shovel the coal and, and bring it upstairs. And they're still there in Bedford Square, probably loads of other places as, as well, I should imagine, at the moment. 84850, uh, uk. Uh, Easy day. Yesterday, seven paid, says Mark the Bailiff, because he goes out. Uh, what happens is the, the companies who want their, their cars back because people haven't paid, mainly crooks, and uh, they go out there and he says, right, I'm taking your car away. And they go, well, I haven't got any money. And he goes, well, that, that, that's the bill there, 470 quid or whatever it happens to be. And if they don't pay, he takes the car away. And there's generally, there's generally about two or three of them there because you're not going to argue with these people because they're just going to, look, we're, we're taking it. OK, and if you start messing around, we're going to call the police and the police will come in. We've got a bailiff's order here. You can't do anything about it. So that's what they do. So seven people paid yesterday, which makes their, their job a bit easier, I should imagine. My border colleagues, Colin and Rodney, listen to you every night. <laughs> Colin is now reconsidering. <laughs> reconsidering what? Can't call dogs this at all, can you? Uh, I clamped a 4 by 4 once, uh, says Mark. Knocked on the debtor's door. After I spoke to them, I sat in the van. After 15 minutes, he came out with a golf club. I thought, here we go. Walked up to his car, smashed all the windows, dented all the bodywork and slashed the tyres. I called the police and when they arrived, I unclamped the car and said, it's not worth it now. <laughs> God. <laughs> People get quite desperate, don't they? Quite, quite desperate. Uh, B.B. and Sanders said, I have no idea, I'm afraid, to that one. I'm an ex-Londoner, Valerie, uh, living in Italy. Used to listen to you when I was London. Just of late started listening to you. Even though most of the celebrities you're talking about, I do not know. Well, you must know, so it's the same celebrities. We haven't sort of invented any new ones here. And says, uh, what we have for breakfast, we have uh, a nice freshly baked croissant and a beautiful frothy cappuccino. Do you know? Uh, we have the same. We have the same here. Isn't it funny? Only here, what we do is, it's a little London trick, we open up our croissant and we put baked beans in it. And, uh, and we have baked bean croissants. And they're really nice. Actually, I've never, I haven't had a croissant for ages because they always go full of butter. They're, they're really fattening. And luckily, as you know, I don't do full fat things. Do not do. Uh, Dawn, 
has managed to get tickets to go and see Stephen Mulhern's Magic Number show this Saturday. She only went because Diana Vickers is going to be on it, so she's, she's got tickets there. Uh, will Steve Hargrave be on your show this week? No. He's very, very tired. <laughs> very, very tired. Uh, if you speak to him about the hotel he stayed in whilst he was there, because he went to Chicago to talk to Iron Maiden, it might provide a la-la-la-la moment for you. I think he may be keen now to talk about his new job on Daybreak. So, pass on my congratulations to him. Wish him good luck in his new job. Yes, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good scenario that he's, he's actually had going on now. And Alan Dodgen keeps telling you vans are only worn by teenagers. It is not true. Alistair Griffin... You know, the singer-songwriter, who I've been a fan of since 2003, wears them. And he's coming up to 33. Well, there you go. You see, I'm just a few years older than that. And I'm wearing Vans as well. Although, strangely, I went into Marks and Spencer's and I was talking to Faye. And uh, she said, I, I said, I don't like the hot weather. She said, it's age. I said, don't say that. She said, no, it's age. She said, she went to Thorpe Park a short while ago. And she went on a ride. She said, took an hour and a half to recover afterwards. She said, it's age. When you get a bit older... You don't, you don't like doing these things. You start... I mean, all the stuff I've got in the bathroom. By the time you've had the shave, then you put on the lotion, and then, you, you know, I wash my hair and then condition and then blow-drying lotion, and then those other things. And now I'm using cocoa butter, you know, to sort of moisten my skin, which is great, because it doesn't smell at all like coconuts. I don't know why. should smell of coconuts, because it's coca, isn't it? Oh, my God, I put the wrong stuff on. I put the stuff on. Oh, my God. I'm starting licking my arms now. I quite like putting it on, actually. My arms look beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. If you saw them now, you'd be going, those are beautiful arms. Because I'm very lucky, actually. Very lucky. Quarter to six. These are the headlines. President Obama's promised to find an appropriate solution in the case of North London computer hacker Gary McKinnon, who's wanted by authorities in the US. Another round of tests will be carried out in the body of gunman Raoul Moat after his family asked for a second post-mortem examination. The latest figures from the government show crime on public transport costs society £1.5 billion a year. Check on the state of the roads. Jay Louise. Thank you very much. Just been told northbound M1, all lanes are now. Lindsay, stupid girl Lohan, had her first meal in prison. It was turkey with apple sauce, broccoli, and coleslaw, and a glass of milk. However, the lesbian gangs were screaming out her name last night in prison. So at least she'll have company when she's there, I suppose. And uh, I mean, the whole thing. It's just a publicity stunt. She arrived with her mother, all in dark glasses, with a film crew, and no doubt they'll be signing deals later on. I mean, it's just absolutely ludicrous. It really is. The whole thing is just pathetically stupid. We seem to applaud these idiots nowadays. I've got no idea why. Uh, Take That have deliberately timed the release of their new album to force a Christmas chart battle with Robbie Williams. Because the band bring out theirs in November, a month after Robbie's greatest hits collection, In and Out of Consciousness, hits the shops. Polydor Records president, uh, Ferdy Unger-Hamilton, said the plan was put together by the band. It's brilliant. He said, it's going to surprise some people to take that album. It's very cutting edge. Very interesting, actually. Robbie Williams hasn't had a hit for ages. I don't know where he's going to be getting these greatest hits from. But um, we shall await and watch with interest. A dreadful picture in the paper today of, um, of a donkey dangling from a, a huge, one of those balloon-type things. And it's a stunt to actually get people to a, a private beach club in Russia. And um, the, uh, the man who owns the club, a local entrepreneur, is said to have organised the stunt to l- lure holidaymakers. So they tie this donkey 
This balloon takes it up into the air. The donkey is petrified. Eventually it comes down and it can barely stand up. But uh, apparently the, uh, the man has, uh, has done a runner. The police said he's done a runner. He's gone into hiding. The FSB, formerly known as the KGB, may join the hunt for him. They won't, of course, in Russia. Money will change hands because it's uh, the most corrupt nation you'll ever discover. And uh, nothing will ever happen. You tied a donkey to a thing. And people say it's only around the world that they make big deals about that. Uh, Helen Newlove, writing in The Sun today, Baroness Helen Newlove, talks about Robbie Williams. Says, I was very surprised to see that he's rejoined. The girls and I went to see them in Manchester. Totally awesome. Do they need Robbie? Personally, I don't think so. See? Only echoing what we said ages and ages ago. There's a new dating website. You'll be delighted to hear this. If you're over the age of 80, it's for you. With all the people I speak to over the age of 80, couldn't really be bothered. The idea of a dating website, it's going to be called Smitten Kittens. It's aimed at people in their 80s, 90s and 100s. was set up after research showed more than half of octogenarian women want a soulmate. Smitten Kittens. Not sure about that, actually. So if you're over 80... That's the dating site for you. Woo, woo, woo. Apparently, ever since David Becker mentioned uh, Lego... What? Yes, they're strawberries. Sorry? Not with your weight problem, I don't <laughs> think. I don't think they're very good. They're full of fat. Yeah, all right. Pound. Put it on the tab. OK. As if it's ever going to get paid. Ridiculous, isn't it? So, David Beckham, ever since he mentioned Lego, he likes doing Lego, that uh, the sales have gone up. <laughs> I mean, I ask you. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Somebody says, oh, I like doing Lego. Quick, rush and buy the Lego. David Beckham likes doing it. That'll be David the Boar. He was on the last Jonathan Ross show. It wasn't the, the best. He just sits there and smiles. He likes playing with Lego. I mean, I don't know. That's that old joke, isn't it? Where Victoria goes into the kitchen and David's sitting there. She says, what are you doing? So I'm doing a jigsaw. He said, David, what's... He said, it's, it's a cockerel. And she goes, David... Put the cornflakes back in the box. <laughs> sad, isn't it, really? Little bit sad. Never mind. If you haven't heard it before, it's an oldie. Here's Gwyneth Paltrow in the water. She's frolicking in the sea. Do you know she's only 37? Why do I think all these people are so much older? And then you see their age. When we mentioned Amir Khan at 23, and I thought, I could have sworn he was about 35, 40. And then Gwyneth Paltrow is only 37. And you think, why do I think she's older than that? Perhaps people start going backwards. Anyway, oh, I knew I was going to mention. I turned on this programme, and I think it was called The Cove. And it was a documentary, but made into a film. And it was made by some Americans to highlight the Japanese whaling ships and the Japanese dolphin slaughter. The Cove is where they herd the dolphins. The ships go out... And they find the schools of dolphins and they herd them in to this cove. And this group of animal lovers, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether you call them fanatics or whatever, but they go there under cover of night with their cameras and they set up hidden cameras all around this, this cove, this pretty little inlet somewhere, I don't know where it is, uh, just to watch exactly what the Japanese do. Because they reckon in 40 years' time, if the Japanese keep draining the oceans of all the food, there won't be anything left. Because they're taking everything. And because they're running out of dolphin now, they've now gone to the International Whaling Commission to say, can we start hunting whales to cut them up? And in an effort to try and get everybody eating it, they give it away free to schools. And what they do, they have hundreds of dolphins herded into this cove. Well, what happens next, I can only describe to you as total carnage. They're in little tiny boats. 
The dolphins are herded into this area and they hack them to death. That's all I could tell you. The water in the cove turns blood red. Blood red. I mean, you've never seen anything like it in your entire life. You think... Well, I can't tell you what I thought, but I remember sitting there watching it thinking, what is the purpose of this? What is it? Why don't you just learn to eat something else? These dolphins don't do anything at all. They hack their fins off. They're, they're thrashing about in their own blood. It's just appalling to watch. Uh, and then they show these huge sheds in Japan. And then, to make it worse, they then go to all these islands, all the Caribbean islands, where it turns out that the Japanese, in an effort to get all the Caribbean islands to go, yeah, that's... Of course you can do whaling around our area. They give them money to buy a shed or something like that, and they put big signs on it going, as supplied by the Japanese fisheries industry. And they've given... They all get the same. Each island gets sheds and things like that. They can't use them because there's no fish. But they get all these things there, and the Japanese, when they have these whaling commissions, get the vote of all the, the Caribbean islands. And then you watch the carnage of these poor dolphins who are hacked to pieces, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And then they, they, these men just go about their, their life. They're dragging them onto the boats with these hooks. And I mean, it's just appalling. I mean, I'm in no way, you know, one of these people who believes you should go out there and free ferrets. Like, we had that story the other week on the programme of these yobs. You know, describe them as a yob or yobs who freed a pet rabbit saying it shouldn't be in a hutch in the garden. So the kids come down and go, where's the rabbit? And they go, well, there's a note on the cage saying we freed it. This is, this is a rabbit that's used to living in a ca- hasn't got the faintest idea what to do outside. It's not going to go and meet anybody. It's going to be prey for stoats and weasels and hawks and things like that. I remember when these animal liberationists released all these mink from a farm and they went through the countryside. I mean, most of them ended up being, being food for all the birds and that they couldn't believe their luck. Blimey, look, food's arrived. How can Peter Andre go and see somebody about mind control, says Chris. He says, you need a mind to start with. I think they just put out these stories. I don't believe all these stories. I think they just put them out there and going, oh, Peter's going to go and see a hypnotist to try and erase Jordan from his mind. Well, I mean, he's 37, for goodness sake. He's 37. Uh, Steve, my friend Panos at work, he's 60 and he wears Vans. He's only a few years younger than you, so it's perfectly OK to wear them, says Paul. You're very bitter, aren't you, this morning? I think not. I'm gutted to hear that story, Steve. The two old ladies. Can't the Queen intervene? Broken my heart. Well, oh, is, is he in? Oh, well, I didn't, because he, he didn't... Uh, and I'll tell you why I didn't bring his vans in, because Carl, I probably said... Because I said, you will remind me, won't you? You will send a text. Did he send a text? No. Did he forget? Yes. Is he stupid? Yes. You know, so, no vans. You know, you have to remind people. I'm not psychic. Little girl of ten here in the papers today. Might break your heart, might not break your heart. Uh, she made a Charlie Chaplin dance video to raise to raise cash for dying kids and was told, remove the lyrics or pay 1,300 quid. Now, I have to be honest with you. I'm afraid I'm on the side of the person who owns the lyrics. And I'll tell you for why. Because I used to work on, on Five's company, as you know, and... When we used to sing on the programme, in our ears, somebody would go, stop singing, stop singing. Even if you did Happy Birthday, because somewhere, somebody owns the right to those lyrics. Somebody owns the lyrics. Somebody owns these things, and they paid good money for them. And so, it's theirs. So you cannot just start singing somebody else's music without paying for it. Anyway, the Chaplin family, back Bethany, was trying to raise money for a, for a children's hospice. You know, it's, it's very laudable, but somebody owns 
the rights to those songs. And if you pay them money, then they would... And I, I cannot sit here uh, and go into a theatre and put on a Rodgers and Hammerstein show or a, a show about the music of whoever it happens to be, because somebody owns the copyright. They've paid good money. Paul Savory has a company that owns the copyright to thousands and thousands of songs. If somebody uses one of his songs, he wants paying for it. You know, and sweet though it is that Bethany has done this, and, it, and it's great, but unfortunately, people own the rights to these songs. They're theirs. It's as simple as that. It's like we, we've spoken before to Richard O'Brien from the Rocky Horror Show, and he spent most of his time going around America a few years back trying to stop people putting on unauthorised versions of the Rocky Horror Show. Because people would put it on, and they weren't paying him royalties. And that's what he did. He wrote it. He owns the show. He said, and as fast as you get it closed down in one county, they move to another blooming county. Ridiculous, isn't it? So, sorry, Bethany, but, you know, the New York-based Bourne Music Publishers own the rights to the, uh, the Charlie Chaplin stuff. I didn't, in fact, know that there were lyrics, but there are. And, uh, and the lyrics are theirs. So, consequently, you have to stop doing it. So they've now taken it down, which is a shame. But she did raise some money for charity. So you raised a bit of money. Everybody happy. But in future, somebody need, needs to say... I mean, it's, it's a big person's problem. It's not really your problem. It's a big person's problem. Somebody should have said to you that they own the rights to these things. It's, you know, it's like LBC own the rights to everything that I do on the station. You know, every... So, in theory, you cannot take this programme and reproduce it anywhere else. Because otherwise, you know, the might of global comes down and goes, you naughty, mustn't, mustn't play Steve Allen shows. It's very, very naughty. Don't do it ever again. This is a Ferrari. Hello there. And so... Morning, team. Nice to be company. Welcome along. Wednesday morning. LBC. So I just ran in. I just sounded a little bit exhausted. Because what I tend to do during the news, I tend to do a little bit of jog out and down the corridor. A uh, little bit of exercise. And uh, I've started doing push-ups, and, uh, and it's quite good. I'm pushing my wallet up the hill and, and then over to the other side again. I don't know how people can do exercise first thing in the morning. Some people get out of bed and, uh, and, they, and, they, and they just sort of do it. They sort of get out of bed, put the clothes on, and they go running around. And you think, I'm surprised you've got the energy. Uh, a special birthday to celebrate coming up in this part of the, uh, the programme. And uh, other stories which the papers have got, 84850, steve at uh, this, this flooding that they've got in Liverpool, and I mean, it was really bad, and yet, strangely enough, they've still got a hosepipe ban. They've got a hosepipe ban, and we've got flooding at the same time. But as they say, whatever they've got up there is coming down here as well. Shamed press baron Conrad Black could take up his seat in the House of Lords if his conviction for a £2.9 million fraud is overturned. Anne Widdicombe, not a fan of Jonathan Ross. Good riddance, she says, to him. He's overrated and seriously overpaid. His multi-million pound contract was less a reflection of the viewing figures than of television bosses' obsession with smut. I see... The trouble is, I think Anne's got it wrong on this one. Not, not wrong in so much as she thinks that he's, he's overpaid, but the money that was paid was to his company who made the programme. That's how it works. The money is, is paid to the company. So the BBC contract might have said something along the lines of, you are contracted to do uh, one show a week on the radio, one show a week on the television, for which we will pay your company, XXX Media Productions, uh, £6 million a year. Because sometimes it's cheaper to put it out like that than it is to actually pay for it. So then it's up to them. The onus is then on the, the person concerned to actually 
make the programme. So he will then have to hire a studio, whether he hires it from the BBC or whatever. He then hires the studio, has to bring in the camera crew. You've got to have the producers, you've got to have the runners, the researchers, you've got to have all the people who put it together, makeup artists, costume, lighting, all got to be put together. And then you take your one at the end. So he wouldn't be making the kind of money you think he would. And that's why Anne Whittacombe's wrong there. Admittedly, they, they do play on smut. But there again, Vernon Kay's show, even Family Fortunes, is full of filth. From start to finish, Vernon Kay, quite clearly, with a mind like a sewer, thinks, so small wonder he sent th- those texts. Admittedly, before then, I thought, oh, perhaps Vernon, that's, that, that's, that's Bolton's way of being funny. Perhaps people in Bolton go, he's very funny. I tell you what I watched yesterday, and I didn't I didn't realise just how funny he was. I've I've got a, a five disc set of the comedians. It was a television show that ran in the seventies, and it's got all sorts of people on there. It's got Bernard Manning, and it's got well loads of other people. It's comedians which aren't even with us, and it's got one on there who just makes you laugh. He doesn't need to send. He just comes on stage. He goes, "Hello," and his name's Ken Goodwin. And he's still around. He's in his 70s now. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. You sit there, and just by the fact that somebody comes on stage and smiles, it makes you smile. I don't know why. I sat down there and watched him, and uh, what I wanted to see was him. They, they, they did a documentary on Ken Goodwin's year, and uh, no, no big star. You know, this is a comedian who, who's topping the bill at the London Palladium, who's appearing in pantomime. He gets the bus... He walks, he does everything, there's no, you know, celebrity cars and don't take my picture and all this. He goes out shopping, he signs autographs, all that kind of stuff. A really down-to-earth person. And, uh, and I had to check to see if he was still with us. And he, he is, and he's in his 70s, but funny. Just, just little things. He's a, like, there's two, he talks a bit like that. And he laughs at his own jokes when he hasn't even heard them. He said, there's two blokes in prison. He said, what? what? He said, I'm laughing because I've heard it. He said, and one says to the other one, how long are you in for? And he said, three days. And he said, how do you get that? He said, they hang me tomorrow. <laughs> and he laughs at it. And you automatically smile. You can't help it. Very, very funny. If you get the opportunity of actually getting the, uh, the, uh, the DVD out, go get it. Because it's well worth it. Well done to Kirsty Henshaw today. Kirsty Henshaw went on the Dragon's Den... And uh, she's actually, because she's juggled two jobs, thank God she's got a story to tell. Oh, dear. I'd be so panic-stricken if she didn't have a story, but she's got one. And uh, she's impressed the tycoons with her range of homemade puddings. And so uh, she put £14,000 of her own hard-earned cash into the business, which she called Worthenshaws. Needed more money, so she goes there and the dragons give it to her. Because I can't help feeling that... I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Dragon's Den. Because here are a lot of people with loads of money. And they poo-poo something. Oh, not interested in that. Not interested in that. And you th- and sometimes they're a bit mean and... No, I don't like that. No, I'm out. I'm out. And you think, good, I wish you were. I wish somebody'd push you out the window. And then it turns out one of them was on the television a short while ago. He's got a series going out where he goes around and tries to help people's businesses. But apparently in this particular business, he didn't do it. And the town of Folkestone or wherever it is have said, would you like to come back and sort this mess out? You know, it's fine to make things for a television programme, because sometimes people just do it for television. They're not interested in you. It's a television programme. And uh, at least this woman got it, but I love it. They go, no, I'm not interested. They sit there with a big pile of money, lording it over everybody, looking down their noses at you. You know, well, I thought, was it real money? Because if so, I'm surprised they've not been burgled by now. You know, because I'd be there going, oh, is that real money? It could just be cut up bits of paper with a few notes at the top, because you never see them actually handing the money over, do you? You just see a a pile of money sitting there. I don't know. 
Do you think it's real money? Somebody will tell us. I'll find somebody who actually works on the uh, the programme. I love the story in the paper today. I feel a bit sorry for them. And it's uh, a lady called Sally Baker. Sally Baker came back to where she thought she'd left the car to find that the car was facing the wrong way. It had a parking ticket on it. It was being towed away because she'd parked on double yellow lines. Unfortunately for her, when she parked there, there were no double yellow lines. The council came along with their lifting lorry, lifted her car up, painted double yellow lines, put it back down, put a ticket on it, and now they're lifting it away. And she's going, this is absolutely outrageous. And the council have said, we've instructed the contractor to stop issuing tickets in these circumstances. We had it round our way, where a lot of the traffic wardens, not the brightest pennies in the box, and um, you know, even I've got the sticker on the back of the car, P.S. Love traffic wardens back in five minutes. Usual sort of thing. I hate those ones as well, you know, baby in car, you know, princess. Well, I mean, what is the point of that? What is the point of that? Although, str- even stranger yesterday, a friend of mine, I won't name this person for fear of embarrassment, phoned me went, Steve, 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 I need a favour, I need a favour. And I went, what, what, what? He says, listen, going out for, a, for, a, for an interview, and it's so hot, yesterday, apparently yesterday was really, really hot, and uh, I've soaked through the shirt, and because it's so hot, so I've been into M&S, bought a shirt, uh, which is one of these non-irons, taken it out of the packet, it's creased to pieces. They've said, can I borrow your iron? I'm in the area. I said, I don't have an iron. I haven't had an iron for about 15 years. And this person went, you're joking. I said, when have you ever known me iron? I haven't ironed for ages and ages. So, unfortunately, that was bad news. My advice is, if you're going out, don't buy a non-iron shirt. Buy a shirt that's hanging up on a hanger, which has already got the creases out of it, because in the packet, you're going to take it out. It's going to be all creased, and you're not going to be happy. Quarter past six. News headlines, Richard Hake here. Good morning, there's new hope for a computer hacker. 84850, Stephen LBC.co.uk. I sometimes think, you know, I, I need to find a job where I can get compensation all the time. Because there's a fireman here who was fired. His name's Christopher Bennett. And um, I've never heard a fireman being fired, to be honest with you. This one uh, complained that the new reclining chairs that hurt his back um, were hurting his back. They just recently spent £130,000 on chairs uh, to put in all the fire brigades throughout uh, this particular area of the country. 41 stations used by the firefighters on night shifts. And he said they actually hurt. So is it all right to, to bring in my mattress? And they said, no, you can't bring in your mattress. And, and they said you could use the chairs or the benches in the snooker room. And so then what he did, he emailed colleagues saying, is anybody else suffering similar problems? And so other people... And they went, excuse me, you're in breach of contract. You've emailed colleagues asking them about this. So he was sacked for gross misconduct. Strangely enough, I mean, it, it does seem very odd, doesn't it, within the fire brigade that, you, that you, you, sort of, you have a chair and you go, look, it really hurts my back. I've really got bad back. And then you email, so if I email, say, Amanda and go, have you, have you ever experienced this? And they go, that's gross misconduct. Very strange. Anyway, he lost an appeal... But now an employment tribunal has found that he was unfairly dismissed. I mean, it just makes no difference now. Everybody goes to a tribunal. They go, you know, you go to one person, they say no. And you go to another person, they go, oh, yes. And so what they've done is, because he was fired, they've given him compensation. £80,000 compensation. It's not bad money, is it? How much do firemen earn? About 40 grand a year, 40, 50 grand, something like that. So he's, he's now got it. 
Steve Shelton, the Fire Brigade's union official who represented him, said, I always knew he'd been treated unfairly. The introduction of the chairs provoked controversy. They were told they had to read a specially prepared four-page manual because they could be used because they had moving parts. Isn't it? What a waste of time and money. What a waste of... Why didn't somebody just say to him, of course you can bring your mattress in, you've got a bad back. You know, it's, it just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? As opposed to now, we're £80,000. Perhaps these companies have loads of money, which is just, just sitting there. Jan says, shame it's not fair. The council have no consideration. Just got my cup of tea. Have you had your tea yet? Seems cooler today. It does, actually. No, I'm hoping for another cup of coffee. Hoping for another cup of coffee, because she... I'm looking, you know, just sort of thinking. That's what me. Don't like it. I need to in a programme. Yeah, because I'm really, really thirsty. And my mouth is very dry this morning. So. There will be another one popping up in a moment. You watch. You watch. Re-music copyright, says Emma. How does that work with karaoke? Um... Well, you're supposed to pay a flat fee, which goes to PRS, and they're supposed to distribute it. That's how it works. But a lot of people do karaoke, and they don't, they don't pay. But normally the venues are covered by PRS, so people who are putting on, um, on karaoke actually do it. Just this once? Pfft, I don't think we're going down that route. I, don't, I mean, I'm more than happy to go and get my own coffee... If I'm more than happy, provided you can fill till I get back. I'm more than happy to do that. Don't worry. I did that once with a producer in another building. And I said, I, I need a cup of coffee. And they went, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get it. So I walked out the studio to go and get it. Didn't take him long to realise that, you know, you need a cup of coffee. Because if you're doing a lot of talking, you get, get a bit dry. Dean in Brentwood says, I'm not happy that your night at the Queen's Theatre has sold out over my birthday weekend. Would you be doing another or would you podcast it? Um... It's it's a no to the podcasting it. Definitely not, not podcasting it at all. However, uh, we might be doing another one, because this one's sold out. In fact, two of them have sold out there. Very, very, I'm still trying to get over £80,000 for a fireman who, who, who complained about the chair. It just seems that common sense could prevail, and you could save an awful lot of money, and everybody would be happy. Man with bad back, and you go, well, we could, how about we, we find another chair for you? It would have saved, it would have been cheaper. To, to let him bring his mattress in, wouldn't it? However, if you're flying Air France, you should feel a lot more secure in the fact that an air hostess uh, faces ten years in prison because she allegedly stole thousands of pounds in cash, cash and valuables from rich clients. Because when you think about it, you get on an aircraft, it's never crossed my mind before, until now. And you hand your jacket to someone, and go, can I look after that for you? Anyway, what she was doing... She was, been, she was dubbed the mile-high pickpocket. She was caught following complaints about missing money, credit cards and designer jewellery. She would rifle through pockets and handbags. On one flight alone, she made £3,700. And now they're looking at another 142 flights that she was on to see if she was responsible for those. It would all go missing on the route she was working, they say. She was referred to only as Lucy R, arrested when she got off the Tokyo to Paris flight. Police said she admitted 26 thefts. Because you trust stewardesses. I don't know, I tr- What? Not that one, no. No, not that one either. No. You've touched it. Yeah, I know you've touched it now, yeah. And you've now prodded it as well. <laughs> all right, you can have that one. I mean, honestly, it really is. It's, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get on the plane, the first person you trust is the stewardess. That's what I, I mean. I, it would never cross my mind. I don't know why that, that somebody would try and pick your pocket. But if she made three and a half thousand quid on one flight, uh, she is believed to have committed dozens more, charged with theft and aggravated robbery. A spokesman for Air France, this will make you feel happy, have admitted she's been fired. Oh, good for that. 
Oh, well done there. I wonder how many other people are doing it. You know, you get off a flight. I mean, I've done it sometimes, not on a flight, but I go out and... I'm going to sneeze. I, uh, I... Uh, <coughs> oh, only one. How unusual. And, and you, you, you open your wallet and you think, I'm sure I had more than that yesterday. As the Queen blinks in the sunlight. I'm convinced I had a bit more money. It's like every day I'm sure I come in here and I'm sure somebody's going to my cupboard and taking a Mars bar. Because I'm sure that it goes down on a day-to-day basis. Strange. Love your show. Great start to my day, Steve. If you get the chance to mention it. My son is nearly 18. Takes his driving test next month. So in preparation for him passing, he's been online for insurance quotes. Cheapest, 3400 He bought a cheap car with his savings and his Saturday job money for which we have provisional cover for. Not cheap, but possible. Seems that even if he does pass, he'll have to sell the car before he's even driven it on his own. Don't expect to get cheap insurance, but at least affordable. Well, what a lot of people do now is uh, they pay for the insurance uh, in instalments. And so they do it monthly. The trouble, I mean, it depends what car he's got. Whether it's cheap or not doesn't really make any difference. It's what sort of car it is. So, in other words, you could have a very, very cheap sports car, and they're going, he's 18, and he's only just passed his test, insurance through the roof. That's how it works. It's, unfortunately, all the odds are stacked against you. You know, what you're looking at is a cheap car in the lowest possible category. So, it, if, you know, if, if he's got a very cheap car... Some, I mean, I remember what I did uh, when I passed my test is my parents put me on their insurance... And so I was able to drive their car because we we were lucky enough. We had two cars at that time. One was my dad's car and one was a a little minivan that he used for his business. And so he put me on that insurance and they absorbed the cost. Unfortunately, when you're young, you tend not to think about it. I didn't think I had to pay them back or do anything like that. So I went on my dad's insurance. So that that could be the way forward as opposed to having a car. But then at, at 18, you want the car all the time. I couldn't wait to get out driving. The moment I passed the test came, I went, yeah. Well, actually, I didn't. I went to my mum. Oh, and she went, oh, she was on the phone. She went, Stephen's not passed. I went, yeah. She went, oh, he's passed. Oh, he's passed. And, uh, and in those days, it was a lot easier to get the insurance, and it wasn't as expensive as it is now, because everybody's got cars. Everybody wants insurance. Well, most people have insurance. There's an awful lot of people that don't have insurance. And, um, and that would be the way forward, provided he didn't want to drive all the time. Bit of a shame, really, isn't it? Bit of a shame. Thank you. 84850, Um Absolutely agree with you, says Stephen Winchmore Hill, on how good Ken Goodwin was. His catchphrase was, settle down now. He used to have his own comic strip adventures in the old Look In magazine. He's lovely. Uh, do you know if there's a box set of Candid Camera with Jeremy Beadle? Do you know, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody will let me know. Just go onto Amazon and find out. Uh, Steve, are all your clothes non-iron? If so, where do you shop? Says Mohan. No, I have them ironed. I have a, an ironing service. I, I just don't iron. I don't iron. I have lots of different people that do my ironing in the morning. I have the ladies over the road from me who do it. And uh, then I had a lovely lady in Staines who did my ironing. Because I just, I just don't iron. And there's so many places that do it now. And if you're in a fortunate position of having, you know, to be able to afford somebody to, to do it, then you have somebody to do it. And I only have a few shirts a week. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, what is it? To wash and iron a shirt is a pound. So, I mean, I don't think that's a hardship. Because if you actually look at the amount of people I've spoken to, and I go, how are you? And they go, oh, just done three hours worth of ironing. You think, oh, why bother? Take it in, leave it in a bag, collect it a week later. It comes back on a hanger. Yeah, you iron as you need it. And quite clearly you didn't need it today. But then you, so you just sort of, you know, you take it back and put it in the wardrobe. 
Didn't have to iron that dress. See, I think that women do do well. I went on holiday once and took loads of silk shirts, which M&S did. Now they appear to have gone into the cheaper end of the market. Woo, 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 woo. Get me. And I didn't have a medallion, no, but I did have a blonde wig. But anyway, that's another story. Call me, call me Michelle. So I had all these non-iron shirts, and they were lovely. Take them out, hang them up, and they just hang out straight away. And they look really good. And then all of a sudden, Marks and Spencers go, we're not going to do those silk shirts anymore. And I thought, why not? I thrived. I should have bought loads of them. I should have bought loads and loads of them. I just never, never thought about it before. But the, these shirts where they say they're non-iron, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Always go and buy a shirt. If, 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 if you want a shirt, go and buy one that's already hanging up on the hang. Don't buy one in a packet. I tried to buy a black shirt. I need to buy a black shirt for Hornchurch. I've got a black shirt. I thought I had two and I've lost the other one. I don't know where they go. They're just a, perhaps it's sort of like a big hole in the middle of the place and they just sort of disappear into it. And, um, and so I need to go out and buy another shirt, which is sort of, you know, because if we're doing two shows, you need two shirts. Can't wear the same shirt. Well, you probably could, actually, but I'm not, not really sure I want to. I quite like to put on two shirts. But trying to find a black shirt in my collar size and short sleeve. Yes, I know short sleeve makes me look like an airline pilot. But to be honest with you, I'm, I'm much happier in short sleeve shirts. I don't like long sleeve. And people say, oh, you must always wear long sleeve shirts. My friend Graham's quite a snob about it. And so what he does is buy long sleeves and then rolls them up. What's the point? What is the point? Wear short sleeves. He said, oh, no, short, short sleeves are not, not good. And they did it on the programme a short while ago. I think... Nick Ferrari was doing short sleeve shirts. Like, oh dear, the persecution that comes in. Kids get brainier if they learn to read and play music. There you go. So uh, if you have any doubt about putting the kid into the local brass band or orchestra or in the school musical group, stick them in now. However, if you've got a, a spare £150,000, guess what's come up? The battered piano used by the Beatles on some of their biggest hits is up for sale. It's going to be auctioned next month at Bonhams. They say 150,000. It's got coffee stains and cigarette burns. It was played by the Fab Four at Abbey Road Studios in the 60s and 70s. It can be heard on Paperback Writer, Obladee Obladar, uh, Old Brown Shoe, Tomorrow Never Knows, as well as Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Sounds cheap for 150,000. What are you going to do with it, though? What are you going to do with it? It's ridiculous. 150,000, though. Could be yours. This is LBC at 6.30. With Sky Sports 2. I must just mention before we talk to uh, young Hakia that it was so funny. I was watching the television the other day and there was a cooking feature on this morning. And uh, there was uh, Eamon, really slim Holmes, and his uh, wife. And Phil Vickery cooked these things which were like little Yorkshire puddings but with uh, creme fraiche in with rare roast beef. And Eamon stood there quite clearly wanting to eat but thinking, I think Private Eye might pick up on this if I start eating anything. So quite clearly now he's not going to eat anything, unlike Richard Hakia, who shuffles down his food in the morning. I have to say, though, this morning, because it's quite close, I don't feel like eating. I haven't eaten my breakfast this morning, which is very unusual for it's me. It's not close, is it? It's very close this morning. Yeah, I think it's yeah. quite humid. In the newsroom, anyway, probably we've got a problem with the air conditioning or something. Oh, right. It's lovely here. You want to come down here? Probably will do later it's, on if I get time. Cool and lovely. <laughs> Cool and lovely. Anyway, yesterday you went each way. Yes. Uh, it didn't really help. Your horse came in second, but so all you did was lose 50 pence, which is better than losing two pounds. Well, how come you lose money if you can say, I'm new to this? How come I lose if I went each way? Yeah. As um, if you gained first, second or third. Well, because you had two pounds, but the, uh, the odds were such that the time ah. you take it off the stake, you don't... You only lost one pound fifty out no, of fair it. Enough. Okay, so but, but that's actually good for you. Mm. So it's, it's like a baptism of fire. Mm -hmm. So you, your total loss is now sixty-eight pounds fifty-one. Whereas Alec had Rowan Tiger, which won at fifteen to eight, which gave him a profit of three pounds seventy-five. 
Very good. So he's totally... I know, he is, he's, he's actually quite good, actually. At the moment, he's on a bit of a roll. £39.18 he's got, which is more money to spend on on Cornettos and things like that when he goes <laughs> to the races, because the producer likes him because he buys Cornettos. Apparently, <laughs> that's, the, that's the way forward. So today we're off to Lingfield, the four o'clock, and he's picked Sir Walter Raleigh, win only. Well, there are five race meetings today. They go at Catterick, Leicester, Lingfield, Sandown and Worcester. The newsroom nag, the 605 sat at Sandown. It's called The Hague. The Hague. Mm. Oh, I like the sound of that. Mm. like the I'm sound sure of that. if it's William or The Hague in America, who knows? I, I, I don't mind. You just need a winner. You need a big winner. We need, you know, £6 to be quite good to put in your little pocket. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Richard Hake here. Talk to him uh, tomorrow. So it was funny, actually, yesterday when I was watching the cooking feature, because Eamon Holmes, you know, had contacted the BBC and said he didn't find these sketches with John Culshaw very funny. Although, strangely enough, speak to everybody else and they thought they were very funny. You thought you'd be quite flattered, you know, and if you are of the fuller figure, let's face it, he is the fuller figure, um, and it's self-imposed, you know, why not have a laugh at it? Don't exactly do yourself any favours by drawing attention to it, because up until then, I didn't know that John Culshaw was doing impressions of Eamon. I was fierce hungry. I like that. Uh, some poor man here thought he was meeting Stig. And uh, and th- this man travels around with a, a Top Gear logo. So this, this guy uh, drove onto the service station and um, and he had a picture taken with him. It turns out it's not. It's one of these sad people who goes around who sort of dress... Stig is on... I don't know who he is, actually. What he is, he's, um, he's the mystery test driver on Top Gear. Yeah, I know, Yawn, exactly. Almost as Yawn, who's walked out of the Big Brother house. Yawn, the Irish girl. Oh, God, I knew there was something I was going to be doing this morning. I knew there was something. I've got a, a very, very special birthday to do today, actually. And I should have done it earlier on, because it's Robert Craig Morgan's birthday today. And if the name sounds familiar, it certainly is, because you'll probably know him as, uh, as Justin Bennett in Grange Hill. He was in there for all the early series, and he's going to be listening, as normal, from Ireland, uh, together with his partner. And, you know, if I could pronounce this name, I'd be a a better man. And, in fact, Paul Dunford says, I'm hoping to see some pictures of them on Facebook later. So Robert's partner is called, is it Doncha? If I've mispronounced it, I'm so, so sorry. I'm just absolute rubbish at doing pronunciation. But uh, Robert, who then changed his name to Robert Morgan, he's got a small holding over there, and I think they've got a catering company now. And uh, so I had that in from from Paul, plus I also had it in from Dawn as well, to wish him a very happy birthday. And I also had it in from, and if I mispronounce this again, I'm just going to take myself out and remonstrate with myself all day. Don't you said, is there any chance you could wish my boyfriend, Robert Craig Morgan, ex-Justin Bennett Grange Hill, a very happy <laughs> birthday for today, the 21st, and yes, I will marry him. After 21 years together, now that Ireland has finally changed the law. So, listen, good luck to both of you. Happy birthday, Robert, for today, 46. Nice to know we've got people... Do you know I seem to get loads of ex-Grange Hill people listening to this programme? I really do. There must be, there must be a, a, a Facebook site or something that goes, ex-Grange Hill people, listen to Steve Allen on LBC. So, uh, Robert, have a really, really nice birthday today. Really, really happy birthday if there's any more listening, do do let us know. Do you have all, all get-togethers and stuff like that? Do let us know. So, uh, Robert and partner over there in Ireland, we're looking forward to seeing some pictures. Uh, what, send some pictures over to us. So, because I, I did immediately, I got that yesterday, go on to Google. I put in images and just see what people look like now. So, many happy returns of the day. Frederick has um, made a suggestion for In Conversation with Michelle Munro, daughter of the late Matt. Now, the trouble I, I would love to do that, but I... 
it would be better to do Matt Mumro, but as he's not here, I know that Michelle's written a book on her father's life, and uh, he is one of the true great. We've talked about Matt Mumro at length on this program, and I've had a I've had an email before from Matt's widow, and his son, of course, used to go out touring as well. So big fan of Matt, big big fan of Matt Mumro, and Don Black, big fan of Matt Mumro, big big fan. Uh, Lynn says, very expensive show today, having to pay a mandarin strawberries just to get a cup of coffee. Oh, isn't that dreadful? Isn't that absolutely dreadful? It's almost like bribery. Would you like to get me a cup of coffee? What, what do I get? Or I could have a strawberry. You know, it's cost it really a lot. It'd be cheap of me to bring in a cup of coffee tomorrow. Steve, hope to see you soon. Uh, I don't iron, but I don't get anybody else to do it either, says Dee. Just fold carefully. There's always the excuse you're going for the grunge look. I'm still ill, tummy bug. Wish you better. Wish you better. Been on after baby George since 5.30. The only bonus of him waking, Steve, is so he can listen to you. Or I can listen. Why is it that no matter how many beautiful toys I buy him, he still wants to play with the cat, the TV, or the remote? Kids are like that. We were saying the other day, actually, that when, when kids are little, you buy them lots of Christmas presents, and they, they don't know that there's a present inside the packaging. So they rip the paper off, and they think the paper's the present. And they sit there and go, oh, it's not... You go, no, look, there's a thing... Oh, what's that? Well, it's like a Barbie or something. I don't know. And they get very, very excited <laughs> about these things. But uh, it's not. So don't ever buy them presents when they're young. It's a waste of time and money. I know aunties and uncles and grandmothers and granddads and everybody else always want to do things like that. But it's never, never true. Um, uh, 84850, uk. I'll on here very quickly. Uh, a similar thing happened to my mum. They painted a bus stop around the car, then issued her a ticket. You could see the bus stop wasn't finished because her car was in the way, but they still issued the ticket. I had somebody the other day uh, was driving in a bus lane in Twickenham. And nick, 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 they were down straight away. And they've issued him with a ticket. It took about 20 minutes to issue him the ticket. I think they give you a talking to at the same time. So don't drive in a bus lane. I got a ticket once for driving it because I didn't know it was operating on a Sunday. Nobody around. It's like a set of traffic lights outside this building. They operate... 24 hours a day, 4 o'clock in the morning. What's the point? There's nobody here. There's a few well-meaning drunks falling about all over the road. And that's about it. It's all terribly tedious. Anyway, uh, strange enough, just going back to this, this guy posing as Stig, uh, dad of two, Martin, he said, I was chuffed to meet him and told my mates, the man I thought was a Stig, pulled into a service station, so I followed him. Uh, he got out of a Porsche and into a Range Rover. I was so close to him, I thought I was going to see his face. He began to take the helmet off. One of his bodyguards saw me and pushed the Stig's helmet back on. I was convinced it was him. Of course it isn't. It's, uh, it's an imposter. You do get people who like to dress up as other people. You get people who dress up as, um, as policemen. There was one guy who was arrested a short while ago. He used to have one of these little radios that was tuned into the ambulance service. And he would dress up as an ambulance man. He had his own ambulance. And he would attend accidents as if he was a proper, a proper ambulance driver. And he wasn't, of course. And he got caught. But you do get people who impersonate the police. It's, it's a quite serious prison sentence for going out there impersonating... Whether, whether impersonating Stig from Top Gear is counted as, uh, as something a little bit over and above the ordinary, I don't know. Uh, Dawn says, as Steve Hargrave isn't on today, I should tell you why there may have been a la-la moment if he'd spoken about his hotel in Chicago. He told us on Twitter he'd arrived at the hotel to find out they were holding a porn convention. No. He later came back on Twitter with the bad news that the porn convention wasn't on anymore, but the good news was that they were now model scouting open auditions at the hotel instead. <laughs> oh, dear, you're right. That would have been a la-la moment on the programme. Definitely would have been a la-la moment. 
I love stuff like that. Actually, we went, years and years ago, I stayed in Glasgow. We went up there. Was it, yes, it was Glasgow. And uh, we were doing factory visits for United Biscuits. And so there were two of us. And I can't remember how we found the hotel. I think it was because it was near the station. And so we booked in. And uh, it was in sort of what I call a, a lively sort of area. We go down to the bar of an evening to go and have something to eat. And we're just having a couple of drinks. And I remember thinking, there's loads of women in this bar. Loads of single women. Everybody's sort of, you know, looking and sort of chatting away and all the rest of it. And I'm thinking, how bizarre. And then men would come in and then they, the girls would sort of chat to them. And then they'd both disappear. And then... <laughs> Later on, they pop back again, and the women weren't with the men. And I remember thinking, this is very... And we, we had a taxi driver to take us to the factory. And I said, he said, you're, you're staying... Very strong accents in Glasgow. I won't attempt to do the Glasgow accent. And he said, oh, you're staying... No, he doesn't talk like that at all, actually. But anyway, he said, you're staying there. I said, oh, yeah. He said, how you find it? I said, well, it's OK, actually. A lot of women... I said, perhaps it's a convention. He said, no, he said, it's a red light hotel. He said, it's been known for years. He said, that's where people go to meet people. I'm not surprised they looked at us and uh, looked a bit disappointed. But there you go. Uh, Irish funny man Ed Byrne has accused uh, Keith Chegwin of nicking jokes. Ed Byrne, who we've talked to on the programme, claims that Cheggers has been posting other comics' gags on his Twitter page and passing them off as his own to win fans. Lord. Absolutely. Oh, he does need to win fans. After that, he does need to win fans. He does. Abs- on, your, on your Twitter page, of course you do. People just don't tune in. You just have to, you have to direct people to it. And Yeah, but he's been passing these off as his own gags. They're not his own gags. No, they don't. It's illegal. It's totally illegal. Don't see comedians do that. They don't. They're not allowed to do that. There is an unwritten law in the business. And he says, the pair have been trading insults since Cheggers wrote, my Auntie Marge has been ill for so long we changed her name to I can't believe she's not better. Now, that's not his gag. That's somebody else's gag. Uh, and Ed said it was Nick from Milton Jones. Ed told Cheggers, you're wrong not crediting your sources. It happens, actually, to a, an awful lot of people, especially magicians. Somebody comes up with a trick. Somebody else will market it and sell it in China. I can remember Betty Davenport had some Chinese people going and they said, have you got any new magic? She went, no, we haven't got any magic at all, and pushed them out of the shop. That's what I like to see. Quarter to seven. Richard take here. Good morning. David Cameron says he hopes to find a way through in the case of... Nor- 12 minutes to seven. Thank you, Paul. I've just had to send uh, Paul a thing back again. He, you know, he runs the Hinge and Bracket fan club. Might be to answer a question for me this morning. Anyway, anyway. Right, where was I going, actually? I was going, actually... I don't know where I was going, actually, this morning. I kept thinking about it. I kept looking at the horse yesterday, thinking, there was me persuaded Richard Hakey to go each way, and he ends up only losing 50p. But, I mean, 50p, better than nothing, isn't it, on the horse racing? So, uh, R1 is the Sir Walter Raleigh. I always hate it when they say in one of the papers, millions hit in £3 billion tax blunder. And you start thinking, oh, my goodness, what on earth can that be? And it turns out it's a shambles in the tax office which has left millions of workers an estimated £3 billion out of pocket. Millions of others could be hit with bills for sums they owe the taxman, dating back years. Apparently, this is what depresses everybody, doesn't it? You've only got to mention uh, tax. And uh, it's a, a significant challenge for them to sort out here. Apparently, 18.2 million cases were awaiting action in March. And... Uh, HM Revenue and Customs was slated by the National Audit Office for failing to make enough progress in reducing a massive backlog of cases. So these are people who obviously owe money going back quite some years. I'm actually quite good at, um, at paying tax. Well, certainly it's sending it off, because they always send you one of those nice but polite letters going, and of course, if you don't pay it, we'll be charging interest on a daily basis. 
And that's kind of enough to shame you into doing it. Uh, the nephew of a First World War soldier whose name was on a memorial defiled by thieves spoke of his distress. This is uh, the memorial that we saw the other day in Greater Manchester in Blackley, erected in 1921 and had all these metal plaques on with people's names. And thieves, let's just call them low-life scum, came and chiselled them all off. I mean, they're worth, but, you know, a few pounds probably to a scrap dealer who will buy them for scrap. Although what sort of unscrupulous scrap dealer would buy a load of plaques with people's names on commemorating their life? It just beggars belief. I hope they find them, because once they actually find them... I mean, the, the, the scrap value, I think, for all of them is only £125. But if you're a junkie or you're some desperado, you'll happily chisel these... Do you remember it happened in a cemetery once? There was a cemetery where the, the whole back wall, they chiselled all these things. What sort of people can do that? I just don't understand how, you know, in, in your right mind, somebody could actually defile anything like that. But they do. In fact, every time I open up the papers, I get quite depressed, I'm afraid, with some of the stories. There's uh, Gareth Cottrell in the paper today, his brother Fraser. Gareth is 26, his brother's 15, and their friend Josh is 21. They were preparing for a, a coastal walk in aid of cancer research. They come from Manchester as well, I'm afraid. And they were walking along the canal, getting ready for it, on the other side of the canal were ten, let's just politely call them Yob, shall we, who started pelting them with rocks and calling them all the names under the sun, saying they were worthy so-and-sos and all this. And you think, what sort of mentally ill person goes around throwing rocks at somebody because they're going on a charity walk for cancer? A man of about 40 was with the teenagers, aged 15 to 18, who they thought was going to be sensible, slashed one of them over the face with a key. I mean, you ask yourself... What? I mean, are these people mentally ill? Is this, what is the matter with them? Are they just people who need to be taken out of society? You do wish that somebody would invent one of these little sort of phaser things, or you know, which they use on Doctor, and they go so like that, and they vanish before your very eyes, because I'd be using it every day. I would absolutely be using it every day. Hello, we don't like you. They are, you vanished. We don't ever have to look at your ugly face again or put up with your bad bad life. Because all these people, there must be something the matter with them. Perhaps they were dropped on their head or something, but it's just absolutely dreadful. It's, it's, it's almost as bad, I suppose, as watching the people being evicted from Parliament Square the other day, and I watched it back on the news and listened to it again. And quite clearly, some people have got absolutely nothing at all to do with this protest. They're just people who've got nothing else to do, and they just decide they're going to be difficult when, when it comes to the police. And the police go down there, and the other people, and they've all got loads and loads of things to do. And it's, it's just... It's just it drives you mad. Uh, Cliff says, did you know Anthony Davis is ex-Grange Hill? I think he's ex-everything, isn't he, Anthony? I think so. Um, talking about toys, I didn't know there used to be a toy library, says Angela. How horrible. I was always very possessive about my toys. Uh, the, well, there's, the, there is a toy museum, which is very good. The trouble is you go in there and most of the toys you remember. And you look at me and go, oh, I had that. And they go, did you have Magic Robot? I had Magic Robot. They go... But that's now sort of like class as a collector's item in good condition. I think, I never even thought about it. The only thing we never had, I wanted the Play-Doh kitchen. I never got the Play-Doh kitchen. Where you could put Play-Doh into the thing and squeeze it, and it all came out different shapes. Never got that. I got a fuzzy felt post office instead. Didn't want fuzzy felt post. I wanted a Play-Doh kitchen. I never got it. I had to wait years for a pair of roller skates. My auntie Rini promised me um, one of those pogo sticks. I never got it. I never got it. To the day she died, I never got a pogo... Well, I'm too big for a pogo stick now. No, I don't want a pogo stick now. It'll, it'll come with a price. I don't want a Play-Doh kitchen. Don't buy me a Play-Doh. I'm too old for a Play-Doh kitchen. All the stuff you wanted when you were a kid. You know, I mean, I, we, we never had action men when we were kids. I think because they, they didn't come in until a little bit later. So for Christmas, we got things like a tape recorder. I got a tape recorder. And, um... 
And, but it was, it was the, I got Fuzzy Felt Farm and Fuzzy Felt Kitchen. I said to my mum, Mum, I'm 28. I don't want it now. What did Lego? And we had Lego, but we only had the, only had white and red Lego. Uh, good day, Steve, says Tom. I'm reading just Biggins, and it's most amusing in parts. When are you going to write your autobiography? Well, once it gets past the, uh, the lawyers, I suppose we'll have to, uh, to do that. <laughs> uh, 84850, uk. Rob is chuffed. That's Robert Craig Morgan, his birthday day. He's chuffed. We like somebody being chuffed. 46, eh? 46, girl. I'll let you know, you know, what it's like when I get there, which hopefully I won't. Thank you for the get well wishes, says D. I dress up as a middle-aged short person, when in reality I'm 24 and 5 foot 8. You and me together. I, d- I hate this ageing process. I've decided I don't like it every day that something else drops off. <laughs> you get there and I think, perhaps if I'd done exercise when I was younger, things might have been different. Then you think, do you know, I can't be bothered to do exercise. I really can't. I'm not very good at walking is about as much as I can do. And today, because we've got the, uh, the patio being done for the third day the men will be in, I think they're very good. I think they're absolutely really good. And so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to, uh, to seeing how it's all going to pan out. As long as it doesn't rain today, I'm absolutely fine. And I was having a quick check to see what the weather was going to be like. Now, they said today... Dry with broken cloud, occasional sunny spells, small chance, please God, it's a very small chance, of a shower, especially this afternoon and this evening. High 24 degrees, which is cooler. I know Richard was saying earlier on it was quite warm, uh, but 24 degrees. Currently 19. Pollen forecast, low. Tonight, less humid. Broken cloud cover, minimum 15 centigrade. Tomorrow, unsettled. Sunshine, but also showers around later on. Friday, mix of sunny spells and showers again. So today I'm going to Antony's house. I'm also going to London Zoo on Friday. We're doing a, it's a photo opportunity, which we're going to put up, put up on, um, on Facebook. I think, is it Facebook? No, we're putting it up on Tweet, I think. Putting it up on Tweet. Um, so that'll be nice, won't it? I'm not going to tell you what it is, because I'm not sure it's actually going to work out just yet. So we will find out. Um, yes, absolutely, says Paul. Oh, thank you for that. And is it pronounced Doncha? Doncha. I've never heard it before. Sounds a lovely name, doesn't it? So, uh, anyway, because it's Rob's birthday today, and as he was in Grange Hill, Robert Craig Morgan celebrates 46 today. Many, many happy returns of the day. Just about it. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, not only do you get lots of lovely information, there's competitions, there's all sorts of things on there, actually. Uh, You can spend hours just going through and having a look at all the presenters, just in case you've heard somebody. You think, I wonder what they look like. And then you have a look, and then you go, oh, I didn't think they looked like that. Um, that's why they're on radio. I met a lady the other day. I was in the laundrette picking up some shirts. Another lady came in, a lovely lady behind the counter, whose name I can never remember. I must find out today. Said, this lady's been listening for years. She lives in Spain. And I could see the look of disappointment on her face when she looked at me. I thought, she's obviously expecting somebody different, but she's listened for a long time. So to the lady I met yesterday, hope you have a nice day today. And hopefully it's not going to be as, as hot as it is, uh, or it has been over the past few days. Because I thought it got quite warm yesterday, but I watered my hanging baskets and I've started deadheading. It's a thankless, thankless task, but somebody's got to do it. Have a good day. We're back tomorrow. Oh, coming up this weekend on In Conversation, we're repeating Gladys Knight and Roy Hudd, the lovely Roy Hudd. Possibly Gladys. Oh, oh, possibly Gladys. Oh, right, we haven't actually listened all the way through yet, so we're possibly Gladys Knight, but it's definitely Roy Hudd. OK, and we'll let you know uh, tomorrow. Nick Ferrari with you after the news at seven this morning. I'm back tomorrow. First of all, the business update. Richard Hakia. The United Union is urging British Airways to hold more...